Welcome to Sanctified in Truth with Michael York, a ministry of the Fairview Baptist Church in Ashland, Kentucky. Sanctified in Truth is a daily podcast for followers of Christ who desire to imitate Him and to dedicate ourselves fully to the plans God has for us by deepening our love and understanding of God's Word. Today's passage is Genesis chapter 9, verse 18 to Genesis chapter 10, verse 32. As always, I want to encourage you to read the passage before you listen to the podcast. Today's passage, historically, has been one of the most misunderstood and abused passages in the Bible. For centuries, this passage about the so-called curse of Ham was used to support and defend the slavery of Africans in Europe and America and to claim that those who were of African descent were inferior to others. It was used to claim that not only was slavery permissible, but was divinely ordained and part of God's plan. People claimed that slavery was necessary and even good. Now, a casual look at the text destroys that idea. First, Ham is not cursed, his son Canaan is. Second, the view of the so-called curse of Ham argued that because Ham's son settled in the areas of northern Africa, it proved that God had cursed those who settled on the continent of Africa. But as I just pointed out, only Canaan is cursed. Third, the reason that this passage is recorded is to explain in part why the people of Canaan would be cursed and eventually have their land taken from them by the Israelites. And the reason I'm saying all this, the reason I'm pointing this out, is to help us all see the importance of careful Bible reading and to warn against the danger of imposing our opinions and our worldview on the text instead of drawing our opinions and worldview from the text. As we seek to think through the meaning, implications, and applications of this passage, we want to ask ourselves our three basic questions. First, what does this passage tell me about God? We've got another list of names and another testimony to God's faithfulness. God had told humanity to be fruitful and multiply and spread over all the earth. And we see the beginnings of that here. Now, some scholars will argue that This actually does not happen until after the events of Genesis chapter 11, but either way, this is what we see. It would be through the line of Shem that God would continue the promise to humanity, as it would be from Shem that Abraham comes. But if you look at this list of names, you'll see it's not only Shem that's blessed, it's not only Shem and his line that prospers. As a matter of fact, the descendants of Shem are not the only are not the ones that receive the most attention in this passage. It's the descendants of Ham. Throughout this passage, we see how God works to gift and help those who do not even honor Him. For instance, Nimrod is highlighted quite a bit. And most scholars view his designation as a mighty hunter before the Lord, as it says, as ironic. Nimrod and his descriptions are meant to point us back to the way that those men of Genesis chapter 6 are described. You know, the Bible says that God causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. And we should all be thankful that God does not just bless those who deserve it or when they deserve it, but He shows His care and kindness to all at all times. Secondly, we want to ask, what does this passage reveal to me about myself and about humanity in general? Well, the event at the beginning of this passage is a tragic one. And it demonstrates that the flood did not destroy sinfulness. Here's Noah, 
a man of tremendous faith, a man who built an ark in faith, the man that was described as the most righteous man on earth. And we find him drunk and acting shamefully. You know, sin cannot be dealt with through external means. Sin is a disposition of the heart. God knew that the flood would not destroy sin, just like he knew humanity would not remain in perfection in Eden. Neither of these surprised him, and they both demonstrate why we need grace. Another detail of this that I don't want you to miss is how God's grace came through the line of one of Noah's sons, Shem, but in the prayer of Noah, we see him praying that the descendants of Japheth would dwell in the tents of Shem. God had never bound himself to just one people, but he would open a door for all who would recognize him as their God. And the descendants of Japheth were Gentiles that ultimately would be ministered to through the line of Shem, through the ministry of Jesus Christ. The third question we want to ask is, what does this passage call me to do? The action of Noah's sons demonstrate two potential responses we can have to the sins of others. Ham refused to cover his father's nakedness. We have to see this event in light of the book of Genesis so far. When Adam and Eve sinned, they realized that they were naked. It was Satan who sought to expose their nakedness. This is what Ham did. He saw his father's sin, and he did not seek to help. He told others and exposed his father's weakness. Shem and Japheth, on the other hand, covered their father's nakedness. They even walked backwards to do it. They did not condone what their father did, but they refused to leave him in their sin. They sought to preserve his dignity and to help him. This is what God did for Adam and Eve by clothing them. As followers of God, to leave someone in their sin is just as shameful as the sin. We need to seek to care for people enough that when we find them in sin, we desire to restore them to the dignity of following God. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Sanctified in Truth. Join us tomorrow as we'll discuss Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 to 32. May everything you say and everything you do today Seek to honor God, and whatever you do, take comfort and know that Jesus has already prayed for you, that you would be sanctified in truth. I'm going to live so God can use me anytime, anywhere. I'm going to live so God can use me anytime.